Hello to everybody who bought a cat when they were high. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, no phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Hope you're doing well on this lovely Tuesday morning or whenever you choose to listen to this in the future. You can still be doing well the other six days of the week. I'm not mad at you. But special love to those people who listen to it right away when it drops. Hello. Uh, First of all, we're coming up on 300 episodes. That's incredible. Never imagined that would be the case. The show has changed my life. And guess what? Starting this Friday, we're going to be sharing hashtag beautiful flashbacks on Facebook and Twitter. Each week, we're going to highlight one of our favorite episodes from the past. Keep an eye out in the Beautiful Anonymous Facebook group. Follow the show's Twitter, at ButteAnon, and uh, check those out. And I have to say, getting the list together, a lot of people in the Facebook group kind of voted on which episodes they wanted in the pipeline to sort of be re-explored, re-highlighted. And if you're a newer fan of the show, if you've caught on midstream or if you've missed a bunch along the way, um, we're going to be highlighting a lot of the ones that the fan base themselves point to as some of the high watermarks of the shows coming up on the 300 episode run. So thanks to everybody who helped contribute to that and organize that as well. Now, this week's call, you're going to hear, it's it's one that uh, very near and dear to me, very near and dear to me ever since we recorded this one. A caller has Parkinson's. This is one of those things, I say it right away. It's one of those things we all know exists. We all kind of see it in life. Some some of us more up close than others. Some people have it or see it in their families. And then some people maybe just in passing meet others who have it. But it's it's one of those stigmatized things we don't ask enough about. And our caller's going to fill us in. So much talk about the effect it has, the way people react to you, treatments, and some treatments where you hear about them, you go, oh my God, man. I can be like a Luddite sometimes. I can be scared in a sci-fi way of technology. And then sometimes you go, technology is saving people's lives every day. And our caller lays that out. And guess what? We've got a t-shirt and all the proceeds are going to be donated to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. We worked with the caller on this. It's going to support Parkinson's research. The t-shirt will feature the phrase, you can't fix stupid. You'll see where that comes out. You can go to podswag.com slash beautiful. It's in blue or red, and check it out. Supports good cause. I'm not making any money off of this one. It's all going to support Parkinson's research, the Michael J. Fox Foundation, all in tribute to this really lovely caller who who did such a good job telling us about a thing that I think is still pretty hidden in the shadows or stigmatized today. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host, Hello. Hello. Hi, Chris. Hi. This is Wonder Woman outgoing itself. What was that? I said, is this Chris? This is Chris. Is that what you asked? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this is Chris. All right. I'm getting on the same page as you. I don't know why I'm so thrown off right now. I was actually taking a (laughs) sip of water when you first spoke and then choked on it. And now everything is chaos. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous as heck. Oh, Are no. recording? Listen, if anything proves that you don't need to be nervous, it's how bad a job I have been doing for the first 40 seconds of this. Yes, we're recording. We are recording. <laughs> so how are you? I'm actually doing really good. I'm actually doing really good. It's a really beautiful day in New Jersey. I spent a bunch of the morning... Uh, walking around the neighborhood with my son. I, I started a new medication like three weeks ago, and it's actually really, really been great. So I'm I'm feeling quite positive, actually. How are you? Good. It's raining, so I'm going to water my plants tonight. Mm, mm. So I just got back from the gym, and it was it was exciting. I'm proud of myself for doing that. That's good. Yeah. It's you, ni- nice you, to be able to go back to the gym again, huh? I've been going throughout this whole COVID thing. Oh, really? Yeah. We wear masks and it's kickboxing. Oh, and, cool. Um, and I can move, so I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know of anybody that has Parkinson's in your family? or? Not in my family, but I do know two people um, who have... One who I 
have worked with professionally and uh, someone else who I know personally who have Parkinson's? Yeah, I was diagnosed at 30 when my son was two. Oh, wow. And then um, my ex at the time, I was wishing it was all in my head, um, jokingly saying, because um, I used to work as a nurse on OB, and then I transferred up to neurology, acute rehab. And I had some patients with strokes and neural tremors and stuff. And so I thought it was just me being psychosomatic. But um, yeah, it turned out that after five doctor visits, five doctors told me it's Parkinson's, I was hoping it was just deconditioning because it started off with a left-hand tremor. And I thought it was just getting clumsy and out of shape. But um, yeah, I ended up having deep brain stimulation. Have you heard of that? Is that with like uh, electrodes? Yeah, electrodes in your brain. So I'm bionic, my kids say. But um, wow. it's made a world of difference. It's pretty amazing. I can turn it on and off. I have some YouTube videos out there <laughs> to share. You can do it yourself. You don't need to go to the doctor to do it? Yeah. I have a little remote that I put over top. The battery is in my chest on my right side. And leads go up my neck and up the side of my head and into the top. And... Yeah, you could turn it off. I mean, they suggest not to, but sometimes I have these days where I don't really appreciate my day as well. So I can turn it off and then I can't walk when it's off. I can barely stand. I can't open my hands and I can barely talk. But when it's on, but, you, can, um, you can kickbox? Yeah. That's a miracle. I know. It's just like, I feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because it just feels like it's a whole new world because you don't really appreciate the gift of movement until it's been taken away and given back to you. That is, uh, it's just, you know, there's, you see so, so much stuff. Technology is something to fear and AI is going to cost everybody their jobs. And then, you know, actual movies about, you know, like that HBO show Westworld, it's like almost like a horror vibe about technology and how it's going to, but then you hear things like this where you go, oh no, people develop this because it can it can change people's lives for the better. I'm so happy to hear that this exists in, in the era when you were diagnosed. Well, it's funny. If I was born five years earlier, I, I would have missed the opportunity because I had to have, a neuro, I had to have a neuropsych test. I had to have, I was taking 24 pills a day. Oh, wow. Minimum. Three every three hours. And one time... Having kids, it's not. I have two kids. Um, one is now in college and he's moved back home, and the other one's fourteen. And my fourteen-year-old went to therapy classes with me, and he would stomp because my feet would freeze when I was in the store because I'd get really nervous. And he, my voice was really quiet and soft, and so he's like, "Mom, do you want me to go ask the cashier for you?" I was like, "Sure." Uh-huh. If you ever wanted, he would stomp his feet because it helps me watch other people's feet because I would have to. Tell myself heel toe, heel toe, heel toe when I was walking. And I could, if someone asked me a question, then I would feel messed up and I'd start stutter step. And doorways, sliding glass doorways were horrible because it's anticipation. So when you walk up to the door, the sliding glass door would open and then my feet would freeze and people would run into me because it stopped Italy in front of them, not wanting to, not wanting to stop. It's just crazy. Then when I get nervous, everybody can tell. Well, there's no need to be nervous. I mean, this is. Uh, and I used to get asked if I was drunk all the time. <laughs> that has to be very annoying. Very annoying. Yeah. Well, it was funny because if I, my car needed, well, what for, there's two things to driving. My left hand, I couldn't let go of the steering wheel when I was taking right hand turns. And if I had to the link run, I would just use my right hand to let go because. My left side just started off really bad first. Then it progressed to the right side. I was a baby nurse for a while, and it got to the point where I couldn't even burp with my left hand, so I had to turn them around and burp them on the other side because when babies are born, especially C-section, they're really gaggy and spitty. So I got disability for that. And so I miss working as a nurse. It was my identity. Yeah. But, um, 
but um, it's really paid off. I feel really blessed because I get to stay home and be a stay-at-home parent now, single mom. Now I have a lot of a lot of questions. If that's okay, yeah, ask Clay because it'll help me feel better. <laughs> well, the f- one of the first things that struck me is, I guess, before we even start with that. I feel like Parkinson's is the thing that everyone has heard of. Yeah. Um, I don't know that everyone knows what it is. And I'm going to be honest and say that I'm realizing in the moment that I know it's neurological. I've met people who have it. I've seen tremors and, you know, it can affect people's appearance. And I feel like as I'm realizing this, I'm sitting here going... I bet there are a lot of people who, like me, don't know what it is because it is sadly one of those things that I think people who don't have it tend to feel great and and maybe feel discomfort and maybe feel awkward asking and maybe feel, um, right? It, It makes me feel like it's one of those things that it's, we all know that it's brutal. We see people who it's affecting and that almost makes it, stigmatized in a way, I think, to to ask directly about it. I am more than comfortable asking any questions. I encourage people to talk to me about it. And I worked as a nurse and can see how bad it can get for people. My neighbor actually has Parkinson's too, and he's starting to, his feet freeze to the ground. And he can't pick up his feet sometimes and he falls. And I see that and it just breaks my heart because I look at my hands and they worry that my hands are just because like, for example, weightlifting at the gym, I do, I did our upper body today. My hands are shaking after doing repeated reps of 20 pounds in each arm. But then my hands are shaking. I'm like, wait a minute. I just, I, I get that sense of panic, but then it come, goes away after I remind myself, you just lifted 20 pounds on each side for five sets, five reps of 10. I could not do that. <laughs> I, I can't do that. What you just described is something I am certain I cannot do. I'm serious about that. Yeah. And, um, I tell I used to feel I was really scared to go to the gym because this whole COVID thing, for example, too, it, I just started getting comfortable going out in public because I had my brain surgery four years ago. I walked out of the hospital with the electrodes in, but no battery. I figured you get a Christmas present on Christmas day, but you don't get the battery. Batteries not included. So I had to go into separate surgery to get the battery installed. Then I got programmed. And the first programming, I felt my smile come back because with Parkinson's, they have facial masking. So my neighbor thinks I'm a snot because I asked her to clip her grass on the back if I should do it. She's like, she thought I was mad at her. But a lot of people don't really express, like, realize that there's facial masking with it. Have you heard of that? No. It's where, like, it's hard to smile. It's hard to express facial expressions. So they interpret you as disinterested or crabby, resting bitch face, basically. (laughs) And when I was on the surgery, you're awake for the surgery, too, when when they put the electrodes in. Sorry, I'm ADD. I'm all over the place. I made a list of things to tell you. And it's just been my life for since I'm 42 now. And when I had the brain surgery, I was 38 and I felt like I was 90 going on 30. I went back in t- back eight, back age 10 years because I got my mobility back and I, cause you only have one site done at a time. And my surgeon, you want to know what his name was? What was it? MacGyver. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, Pause right now and draw a line in the sand with you, my friend, because you're talking to me about something very serious, and you've now slipped in that your doctor's name was MacGyver. You've dropped the phrase resting bitch face. You've said batteries not included, and you keep saying them in the exact same tone of voice. You're saying all the serious stuff, and I just want to call out that I am becoming aware that you are very funny. And I am going to be <laughs> laughing, and there may be listeners who think it is a pro- inappropriate, but I can tell you are trying to get me to break, 
and it <laughs> might make me look really bad to laugh. But this is that's at least the third time that I have felt you try to get me to laugh at the end of a sentence where the beginning of the sentence was about something very hard to hear. So I'm on to you. I want you to know I'm on to you with this. <laughs> Can you imagine me talking to you in person and um, having this resting with Trace and telling you a joke people don't realize they're serious? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and um, I call it Parkinson's the mind fuck disease because it fucks with your mind. Because some, some days you can do it and some days you can't do it. It depends on how stressed you are. Like one day, I my boys are home and they wanted pizza. And so it was like five o'clock and my pills were every three hours. And it caused too much of the medication causes dyskinesias, which is um, if you ever seen a meth addict, how they move. You know those balloons that are at gas stations? The wobbly things? They're like... Yes. They, I know exactly. That's what, what I mean. felt like all the time. Wow. With medications. And then, um, wait, when meds aren't working, they call it on and off. On is when your meds are working and things are good. And off is when it's not working. And um, my on time was getting so much shorter and I was taking more and more meds and getting more and more dyskinesias. And um, Parkinson's and Tourette's are kind of like opposites. Tourette's is kind of like too much dopamine. And um, some medication, uh, there's so many side effects of some of the medications. Like one of the medications I was on was um, a neutral patch and it was a dopamine recycler. And so like, you know, how serotonin reuptake inhibitors are. I mean, I've talked about dopamine and serotonin with my shrink so many times in terms of my mental health. So I understand how complex that chemistry gets. Yeah, and um, sometimes when you eat protein with it, because a lot of the medications causes nausea, like they're, like cinnamon. My grandpa had Parkinson's too, and he used to take, he was on the trial of medication for cinnamon. And I asked one day, why is his feet? Why isn't he walking as good? And my mom said, his dopamine's not working anymore. And I thought, your cinnamon? It's called dopamine, cinnamon, whatever. Sorry, I'm getting caught up here. I have so much to tell you. But um, my grandpa, my mom's like, his cinnamon is not working. I thought he, she said his cinnamon's not working anymore. And it's just kind of <laughs> ironic how his, uh, I don't know what to It's just weird seeing my mom had lost her dad to Parkinson's. Now, then her daughter had Parkinson's. And so it was just like, my mom stayed with me for a while with when I had brain surgery, but I was driving within a week. Now, do they know what exactly Parkinson's is and what causes it? I mean, you've spoken so much to the, the brain chemistry. And I would imagine if they know how to place these electrodes, they figured out what's going on in the brain that can be correct. There's, there's one area of the, my area of the brain is STN and actually what they're using is they can use DBS, deep brain simulation for um, obsessive, obsessive, compulsive, manic depression, major depression, obesity, um, essential tremors, and they even use it for localized back pain. And bladder, I've known people that have gotten it for their bladder because they can go have bladder function. And some have it for back pain that are addicted to narcotics. And and Parkinson's, so it's it's a section of your brain is not producing what it's meant to produce, and it affects you neurologically. Yeah, there's sub. It's mine's in the subthalamic nucleus. It's like right behind the eyeballs and towards the back. And then there's a STN and GPI global pallidus. I can't remember how to say it, but anyway. There's one area of the brain where you don't make change in medications, and then which is usually targeted at the older generation. And since I had such a high intolerable to the medications that causing dyskinesia, so I went from 24 pills to one. Wow. So this is a miracle. Yeah. These electrodes are a miracle. It must have been scary for you to be working in medicine in a field where you were working with people with neurological things going on, I guess is the, is the 
broadest way to say it and then realize something was setting in with you personally? Well, it was, it was really, I worked, I helped people, I worked in the nursing home since I was 16 as a nursing assistant. Then I got my RN, European, then moved down to the cities, worked as a, yeah, and you see all these patients that just get devastated when they, like after having a stroke, they can't walk anywhere. And I had one guy tell me where I was trying to get this guy to drink his thickened liquids because he had a stroke, he couldn't really talk and he couldn't use his right side, but he can walk with a cane with some standby assist. And I was trying to get him to take his pills. On, and finally, I was like, you know, I'd be grateful if I, I, I was like, you're 55, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I'd be grateful that I'd be walking by walking by your age so appreciate where you're at and it was just I was frustrated because I had to put an IV back in and I my hands too shaky to put it back in otherwise I would have someone else to do it but um yeah he's it turned him around because he see me about a week later and he was walking in the hallway of his life and he's like this is the woman that got my ass in the gear that's cool put a different perspective on it and I had a 94-year-old guy that was dancing up until the day he had a stroke when he was there. And um, he had to have help to the bathroom. And I have so many stories to tell you. And he was like, what's the purpose of living? I'm like, well, you got this family. Like, you got this family sitting out there in your room waiting for you that are going to take their, you as an example on how to keep moving, keep living after a tragedy. And it's funny because you can still teach someone that's 94 years old something new. And so I think a lot of my nursing experience actually helped me. No one to ask for help and when right. to share. And so, well, it sounds like every inspirational thing you had said to other people, you really believed to a degree where they served as a blueprint for you down the line. Yeah. And um, I had one person, there's people that just won't understand. You can't fix them. Not fix them, but um, you can say at least you tried. Like I was locking into work and I had, it started off with my left side kind of limping and I didn't have an arm, much of it. The first thing you lose is your arm swing with Parkinson's. So if you notice that someone has Parkinson's, their arms are bent, the shoulders are shrugged, face masking, shuffly feet. Sometimes they have a hard time getting up to a standing position. Like when I sit down, I usually fall into the chair. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, my, we've gone through so many chairs in this house. <laughs> Let's pause there. Because we have to pause sometime. This is a conversation I don't want to pause at all. But we have to. It's how the world works. It's how the show works. We'll be right back. Thank you to our advertisers. And now let's get back to this delightful conversation. Sometimes they have a hard time getting up to a standing position. Like when I sit down, I usually fall into the chair. <laughs> mm hmm and I, my, we've gone through so many chairs in this house. <laughs> but um, I forget where I was at. Oh, the arm swing. Yeah, I was locking in. And um, this is like within the first year after I was diagnosed, first year or two. And this couple, of, when you're walking into work, the hallway is crowded. And there's some, there's some people in scrubs and there's some people that are just visitors walking. There's a couple that were walking behind me. And they're like, look at her. She was thinking she's all that. She's got a pimp walk. Because I was walking with my right arm was straight, but my left arm was tucked into the side, and I was kind of limping. And when I would take my medications, sometimes it caused the, you know, you've heard of dyskinesias, right? I told you about dyskinesias, right? I think you did, yeah. And that's where there's too much dopamine. And so, like, you've heard of Tourette's, right? So sometimes they have that impulsivity to say something or do something. That's kind of how it felt for me. Like, I felt like I had too much movement and I could say something inappropriate or, but anyway, my breathing was affected. So I felt like I was having a panic attack when I couldn't come and work. Cause I take my pills at two thirty, and then my shift started at three. My patients thought I was nervous. 
take care. That's another thing too is like I was totally competent to work as a nurse, but my my body showed that my facial masking showed that I was nervous or said I was nervous and my hands were shaky that I was nervous. But um one patient went I'm going all over the place, I know, I'm sorry. But um where do you want me to go back to the taking care patient or walking into work with this couple behind me that were saying that I had a pimp block? I'm happy to go wherever you want, but pimp walk is uh quite intriguing in the moment, I would say. <laughs> I turned around yeah, I was walking from this couple, they were younger, younger than me and they were holding hands and they were speaking loud enough for me to hear them. I look at her, she's acting like she's all that. She's must have she she's acting like she's out of pimp block or something. I turned around and I looked at him. I didn't see anything. I was just like, you know what? I said to myself, I can't fix stupid today. And then I got, I made it up to my floor to work. I went into the break room and I just bursted out in tears because that was before I started sharing that I had Parkinson's with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't help to say negative things to people. Like, I just don't get it why people have to say stupid stuff. Because <laughs> a compliment goes so much further than a negative comment. But yeah, that day I didn't wasn't able to fix that stupid couple that were walking behind me. But I sure opened some eyes that everybody has a story, and everybody has, yeah. So then I disclosed to my whole floor of nurses that I had Parkinson's, and so they got pretty tolerant. It got to the point where I couldn't give baby baths anymore because I was too. You know, when a newborn's born, they need a bath and they're covered with vernix. Can you imagine having to pick up that slippery baby and give them a bath? I can't. And I also remember as like an ignorant person being told about Vernix before my son was born and finding it so strange that I'd never heard of it before. And, How about meconium? Oh, meconium. Forget about it. Forget about it. That one I had heard about, but I never heard um, it called meconium. I had a friend who, when his daughter was born, he was like, the first time... She took a shit. It was the, it wasn't shit. It was this other like crazy black substance I've never seen. So I knew that existed because my friend had previously freaked out about it. Um, and then I actually have a stand up bit about all the things I learned from this nurse we took a class from. And the one that I really did not know and that I found many people do not know is that when the baby's head starts emerging, it will actually sometimes come part way out and then slide back up. <laughs> And that can happen a couple of times. And that, that is really, that is really disconcerting. And I feel like that should be more public knowledge. <laughs> or else they look like aliens. They look like blue little aliens coming up. Oh my God. When my son came out, he, his, his head was like cone shaped and he was purple. And we have pictures of him when he's first born and his hands look like man hands. <laughs> he just looks so crazy. <laughs> he looks so crazy. Anyway. It's not about me. I I, um, noticed one of the people I know has Parkinson's. I've been in situations, and I don't want to reveal too much because it's not my business to tell anybody's story, but um, I mentioned it's someone I know professionally, and I've noticed that in casual conversations, it will affect his speech. And then professionally, when it when something needs to be said in a more public setting, it seems like he can focus and avoid that. Um, anxiety has a lot to do with it. Like, um, in distractions. So if you're not like, if you're holding a paper and sitting at a podium, it's easier because someone's not going to interrupt you and talk to you. Cause then you have to switch gears and go from, so the switching gears is what's the hardest part. Going from sitting to standing, going from talking and walking. It's like you can't chew bubblegum and pat your head and rub your belly at the same time. That would be impossible. Like I suck at jumping jacks at the gym because all my arms are flailing and I have a hard time coordinating every little body part to go at the same time. So I look like a fool doing jumping jacks, but then usually I catch on to it. And my anxiety has a big role to play, play in it. So like the longer and longer I've been going to the gym, the more and more confidence I get. Plus, two. everybody knows me there. And it's Farrell's Gym. Have you heard of it? I don't they think say, I have. My day goes so much better after going to the gym because I can find that if the initial first five minutes of moving or doing it, the first five minutes of starting any task is horrible. Like getting up in the morning, 
I take my pills at 6.30, go back to bed and wait for it to kick in at 7. Then I get up and start like, walking to the bathroom. Like, everything's so stiff. And my DBS is on it all, all the time. And But it's always so hard from going from sitting to standing. But once you've been moving for five minutes, my my theory is for myself, you can do anything for five minutes. Just even if you don't want to do it like dishes, you can't you can do dishes are hard too because that circular movement so through wrists was hard. Now I actually enjoy doing dishes. But um not I mean, I always hate doing dishes, but for the most part, it's just the fact that I can do it now that it's exciting. And do, making my bed, like raising my arms above my shoulders was absolutely impossible. And breathing was a challenge too, because you're breathing, respiratory ribcage is a muscle too, and it's automatic. And so when you take a deep breath, it's easier. But um, it's just crazy how, like, I do a lot of studies at the University of Minnesota, and they've had uh, um, had me have it off, my DBS off for five hours, and I did some studies. Um, one of them in particular, they gave me a bagel to eat, and I was so used to chewing like smaller things like doodles were easier to eat than um steaks and bagels because the jot just chewing on things is absolutely hard and I had to spit out the bagel because I was like I took a big bite full because I was so because having it off for like usually when I turn it off I only turn it off for like a minute and then I'm done <laughs> I was like I can't imagine how I did it did this for five ten years without it because I was actually very suicidal. Not, the only thing that kept me going is my kids. Cause my ex-husband left me. His dad had Parkinson's too. And he died at 61. So like, great, I'm not going to live past 50. But I'm going. And plus two, there, it was, it, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. That's totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah, can you, can you imagine having ADD and Parkinson's at the same time? Hard enough to do one moment movement. <laughs> there's another. There's another. I could hear. I could hear in your voice when you're trying to get me to laugh, and I, I don't want to laugh at a sentence like, "Can you imagine having ADD and Parkinson's at the same time?" I feel like it's making me appear cruel, but I hear <laughs> the smirk you are saying it with. So I need to. I need to call that out again. Yeah, because um. Yeah, it's kind of weird how I go from talking about suicide, not wanting to live, then switching off to another drug. Are you talking to the right guy on that one? <laughs> yeah, I've listened to so many of your podcasts, and I was I was like, I wonder if you'd want to hear my story. So that's why I called in. I'm glad and you did. Sure enough, yeah, my kids are. I'm so proud of my kids because for one thing, they saved my life more than they want. They know, and when the doctor told me that I had Parkinson's when I was two, when my son was two, my older one was five years older, so he's seven. And we had to bring my two-year-old with to the doctor's office with us. And she was telling me that I had Parkinson's, so of course I started crying. And she's, my son is doing his typical two-year-old son things where they're grabbing the garbage bag and knocking over the garbage can and babbling. And you can tell, I mean, you can tolerate your own kid, but someone else can't tolerate him. So she's like, Michael, if you don't stop misbehaving, or I'm going to send you out to the lobby to wait for your parents. I discuss with your mom about her Parkinson's. Like, how would you react to that? Yeah, that's that is <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> that is a lot. That is a lot. And so, um, I didn't go back to see her. I switched doctors, but. Um, I can't be upset with her because it is a older person's disease and some occasions you have the younger people having it. But, um, so she wasn't very familiar with younger doctors. And what's funny is the doctor I have now, the neurologist, he was my, um, he had a child or they had a newborn and I took care of the newborn. I did their hearing screen. He was like, yeah, I see how difficult your job is and trying to hold a, your probe in the baby's ear to do the hearing screen. So um, that's he had sympathy, and he's the one to help me get on disability. Was this so, that, had you been caring for his baby before your diagnosis? No, no, he got was, it. 
Got it. He he was just he had a his wife had a baby and she was. I came into the room and then I was like, oh, it's you, you're my doctor, <laughs> and I think he was my doctor for at least a couple of years beforehand. And it it's, was random. Been, it was just a random thing that you helped that baby. Yeah, that's so was, beautiful. Yeah, and I was like, you got to come with me. You want to do a series screen? And he's like, now I see how you don't realize how important your hands are until you can't. Like, I, my therapy was going out in my yard and gardening, pulling weeds. And so now, you know what I get to do for work now? I deliver flowers for a friend. That's, there are less pleasant jobs. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I get to bring, I get to see, <laughs> see people's faces when, when someone else orders flowers for somebody else and you get to deliver for them. I kind of feel like I'm cheating them out of the joy of seeing the smile on their face. But, um, no, I should make a point to say God bless you. And a smile goes a long way. Like, I was in the pedal for Parkinson's class and this one gal, because there was, I was the youngest one there, of course, and um, and the mostly upset. Some of them are that they have Parkinson's, but they see me and they're like, at least I'm. They're like, you don't mind if I say it? I'm like, go ahead. At least I'm not young. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, people get a different outlook once they meet me. They're like, at least I wasn't your age. I'm like, and the the common question I get is when I say I have Parkinson's, they're like, you're too young. I'm like, yeah, well, I am going on 90 years old. I just look like I'm in my 40s. <laughs> that was a, I haven't perfected that joke yet, though, but I asked a friend if I should. When I, what, how can I reply to people that ask me or say that you're too young? I'm like, well, I know that part. That's obvious. Well, you know what I love <laughs> dad, about you doing that? Is that so, someone has just heard that you have Parkinson's and then you just in deadpan fashion claim that you're 90 and they have to sit there and decide, am I going to call this person who's clearly not 90 years old out on this? Or am I going to horrifically insult someone who has just opened up to me about a condition they're, they're in the trenches dealing with? And it must put people on the spot in a way that delights you. I feel that makes me so kidding. <laughs> I just, I'm so used to feeling uncomfortable. So it doesn't, I, I take for granted that some other people could be, I could be making other people for granted and feel uncomfortable. So I don't want to try to do that part. I think it's but, funny. But yeah, so <sighs> it was so doom and gloom for so long. Like when I was initially diagnosed, I just remember feeling devastated that feeling in your stomach, you just like, my life is over. But then you look at your kids and you see them moving around and meeting you. And so it's just like, God, just give me the opportunity to live till they get in school. And so my oldest son, he was, he's in college now, but he, I signed him up for swimming in, in his eighth grade year. And he broke the high school record for the swim team. But, that's, um, that's, the, that's super cool. That's I know. So his cool. name was up on the wall and everything. And the funniest thing is too, is like with walking alongside the pool is, and stepping up the bleachers to sit on, find a chair, but walking alongside the pool, I was so scared of fall, like the dyskinesias or, you know, like the bloom thing I told you about. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was afraid to walk alongside the pool because but then I'm like, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for my kids. I want to be there. I want to see this. I get to, I get to see this. And this is when I had just half my side done. So my right side is over-medicated. Or no, my left side was done first. So it's right side of the brain for the left side of the body. And so for six months, I had one side of my body that wasn't shaking and the other side that was shaking. And so I, had, I learned how to type with my left hand and, and disregarded my right hand. But then when I drink water, I would hold the water because sometimes your movement got too, like, it's hard to medicate one side of your body with pills when the other side is working just fine. So I threw a glass of water in my face one time because I was just like, ah, because I couldn't control my movements. So this is good. But yeah. Now I, so uh, yeah, walking. oh no, go for it. Finish the go thought. 
go for it. I want to hear your point. What were you going to ask? Well, I was going to say, I my son just turned two, um, two weekends back, and he is at an eight. I mean, first of all, it's like really the first time that we can connect on a one to one level. I have these, like even today, right before we taped, I spent a half hour sitting with him, looking out a window and he was, every time a bird came by, he flipped out and was talking to me about the birds and telling me that he likes yellow birds. And I don't know that he's seen yellow birds, but regardless, very sweet. But also I would not want to be told that something that's going to slow me down physically is happening with a two-year-old in the house. They're they climb stuff, they fall over, they put themselves in dangerous situations. That that must have, I, you're, you're speaking so much of your, your kids and how much pride they bring you and it's awesome and I love it. There must have also been fear, especially with that tiny one. Yeah, um, Wendy, this will bring tears rise. Because everybody, sometimes people get brave enough to ask me, well, what about your kids? Because I have a, my father-in-law, my ex-father-in-law, biological grandfather of my kids, Parkinson's, and he died. My dad got encephalitis back in 2001, so he's cognitively impaired. And um, he worked on the fertilizer plant. And so there's those two, there's two ways you can get Parkinson's. There's genetic and there's biological, I mean, chemical, like they say Roundup is the cause, can cause stuff like that and my dad would work on the fertilizer plant and I'd go visit him at work and we'd call, I would climb the sand dunes like they look like sand dunes but they're piles piles of fertilizer and I'd just climb it and so plus two I'd wash his clothes and so he'd come home with chemicals on his clothes and I'd wash them so there's big thought that it's um, pesticides and herbicides and stuff like that and um, then you have the genetic component of my my grandpa having it then now there's that fear of my kids getting it, and I've thought of doing genetic testing. But um, they're just like, why would you? Why, would you want to know if your kid had a neurological disease? Well, that's that's. If ever there was a cliffhanger, it's that. What a question for any parent to to ask themselves. Wow, we will we will hear my answer. We will hear a caller's opinions, and we will hear a lot more momentarily. Thank you again to the advertisers who help us bring this show to the world for free. We're going to go ahead and finish off the phone call. My grandpa having it, then now there's that fear of my kids getting it, and I've thought of doing genetic testing. But um, they're just like, why would you? Why, would you want to know if your kid had a neurological disease? Like what you have? That is because what a question. What a question. How do you even know? How do you know what's better? That's that's almost impossible to answer. Do you want to live in that fear of, oh, something is likely to happen along the way? Or do you want to not have that hanging over them? Or do you know because there might be things that help prevent it or delay it? What a hard question. And so it's just like my, my kids are the pickiest eaters ever. My older one's getting better, but my youngest one is so picky. It's like not on top of that, cooking food and having picky hands and trying to make a peanut butter sandwich is hard enough, let alone trying to I have steel gloves that I would put on to just to cut vegetables up. And like I said about chewing steaks or stuff that was chewy. So it was so hard to make and then plus two getting the energy to get up and make something when they came home from school. But, and my ex, I was a single mom for, I'm still a single mom. And now it's a lot easier doing all this stuff. But even if it just lasts for another five, I'm like, God, just give me another five years of this. Because, I mean, I'm really grateful that I, I mean, I don't mind having Parkinson's. It's really opened my eyes to how to view the world. Because there's people that have far worse than me. And the first thing I thought, well, at least it's not Lou Gehrig's disease. Because that you're gone in five years. And you're trapped in your body. And the question I was I used to ask myself is, if I were to get disabled, would I want my physical ability to go or my mental ability to go? And I just really don't know that question. Yeah. <laughs> After that one. That's heavy. I worked, I worked in nursing for so long, and there was our mayor of the town that I live in 
was a resident and he was, he was perfectly physically capable to do, capable to do stuff, but his cognition was out. So to get him away from the doors, because once he got outside, it was hard to get him back inside. And he, he was taller than me and he was very aggressive when he got his mindset on something. So one time I just yanked his arm and I'm like, come get me. And he chased me down the hallway, but I got him away from the door. Um, yeah, the one thing that I live by is, um, I know it's easier said than done, but Michael J. Fox said it. And if you ever watch videos of Michael J. Fox and want to figure out how what discrimination look like, because there's people that criticize Michael J. Fox, they're like, oh, he's just acting. But um, you see those movements where he's overly moving, that's dyskinesia. And then when he's not taking enough medications is when he's rigid and stiff and his shoulders are shrugged. But mm-hmm. um, one thing that he said was, you worry about the worst case scenario happening, and if it happens, you've lived it twice. It's my favorite saying ever. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I just want to say something that I bet a lot of our listeners are also thinking, which is, and and I don't want to bring something up painful, because you have been remarkably positive through this call, and you loop everything around to a positive thought. And man, do I admire that, because I don't always have that ability, and I'm not I'm not dealing with something where where I need electrodes in my brain. Um, so it's it's commendable and and inspiring how positive you are. But I I uh, I just have to say that for you to wind up as a single mom when you're in the situation you're in is not giving me fond feelings towards your ex, even though I know nothing about him and and his reasoning. It's making me feel like that was cruel and I hate that that happened to you yeah that brings a lot of emotion because I've forgiven him and I'd rather be um grateful than um hateful and um the first thing my kids said about me because I was known for saying my opinion because I wasn't always positive <laughs> and I still have my days but I visit Pity City often but I don't live there so but um, in regards to that, we were very, I mean, we couldn't talk. And I read the best book ever. Cause I was, it's called Joint Custody with the Jerk. I'm like, this is going to give me ammunition to get back at him. But um, it made me realize how angry I am. And then a lot of the feelings that I had of anger, I had to treat the kids like a business instead of with him because he's very career business oriented and he's a no dad. And so, I can't fix them, but I can, but it's still my kid's dad. So I want them to have, cause they're not going to have me in their life forever, but unfortunately they're not unfortunately, but, but they would more <laughs> likely. <laughs> but, um, I, it was, it was not, it's not about me when it comes to my kids because, and so I just had to, it was still their dad. I mean, if I hated on their dad, then I was 50% not loving on my kids. Cause anyway, but, um, yeah, his, his sister though, my, their aunt and their grandma is not in the picture really. And that's one thing I always feared because like, like one time with his father-in-law having, with my father-in-law having Parkinson's, he was trying to cut the, turkey one year for Thanksgiving and he was starting to drool because that's another thing you do a lot is you drool. I drool at night. <laughs> but anyway, my pillow is always saturated. But anyway, go I'll go back to the comment. Um he was drooling and he's cutting it and I'm like, Tim, go offer to cut the turkey. He's like, oh that that's too stubborn. He wants to do it. I'm like, just go take over because but it goes like when you when you got Parkinson's you want to do as much as you can by yourself because sometimes you can do it, sometimes you can't. It's not consistently, so it's just you don't want that time to like you need to ask for help. But then, like, like uh, there's so many ways I can go direction ways and that because um, anyway, I'll go back to that part. There's that was the emotional part because his dad, his sister chimes up. It's like dad, just cut the fucking turkey, dad, because he was struggling getting the electric knife going. And he was drilling. He's like, Dad, you're disgusting. You're drilling on the turkey. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's the way his kids treat him. 
how are they going to treat me if I stay in this relationship? But um, he cheated. He fell in love with my best friend. No. Uh, yeah. He, I um, danced around it before. Now I hate this guy. I was, <laughs> I was, I was being soft in case you guys were still close. But now, oh my god, are you serious? He, well, I had suggested going to counseling because I was. He's like, well, we just fell apart. I'm like, I was going through grieving with the diagnosis. I mean, but she can't fix stupid sometimes. And so he's- <laughs> you can't fix stupid. That's one of the greatest sentences ever said on this show. <laughs> it was just like, sometimes you can't fix it, but you just got to deal with it because just like politics, politics are not perfect, but you got to live with it. That's another thing too. Oh, the biggest point, the biggest thing that I loved about having brain surgery is the headspace you got back. Because the heads, I mean, if you're always thinking about how to walk, you're always looking down the ground and you're not looking up. Walking and being able to look up at the trees and the cherry blossom, this is the time of the year the cherry blossoms are out and the wind blows through it and all the petals fall down. I was that person that you'd see four years ago because when I, I couldn't walk to the mail, past the mailbox, my mailbox is just not even um, the length from 100, not even 100 yards. Like my, I live in the rural area. So my mailbox is, anyway, so it felt like it was miles away, but now I can walk for miles and miles and miles. And I would be walking and I'd see a cherry blossom tree and I'd just stand there and watch it and I don't care if people see me staring up at a tree because you really don't realize. I mean, wa- watching people walk too is amazing. I mean, I love watching people walk, and I always think, I hope they realize how blessed they are to have that gift to just walk. They may have a happy day, but um, everybody has a story. You wonder what their story is. So that's why I commend you for doing this podcast because everybody has a story, no matter how tough or big it is. It still causes them angst. So the more positive we can feel, the better. But yeah, with lack of dopamine, it's really hard to be positive some days. And some days I really struggle with it. And so that's why I say, just do it for five minutes. Make your bed. Because there's a good there's a good YouTube video out there that has um, general talk about make, make your bed. Look that one up one of these days. Because there's days that all I felt like I could do is just make my bed. But I mean, it's hard to make your bed when you're in it. So at least if you got one thing, if you didn't get anything else done, at least you get to crawl back into a freshly made bed. I love that. And I got to say, as much as is possible through a podcast where you're an anonymous person, I love you. Because <laughs> I love you too. That, that stretch started with you revealing that your husband didn't just leave you because he wasn't strong enough to deal with what was happening with you, which is what my assumption was. He fell in love with your best friend. And you started off talking about that. And I had said, you know, you're so positive. And somehow you went from my husband left me for my best friend to at at the very least, if you get out of bed, you get to crawl into a freshly made bed. That is a remarkable start to finish in terms of positivity. Remarkable. And I wasn't always as positive. And the first thing my kids said after I had brain surgery, like there was a month there that after I had done, like a pro- you get, go through this programming. It sounds kind of crazy. But then they set the settings and they, then you come back about a couple weeks later and it gets just better and better each time. Like going from that feeling of not being able to do something to having the function back and knowing that it's going to stay. The biggest anxiety that I had over after having brain surgery was what do I do with all this time now that I have (laughs) more on, like remember I mentioned on and off time. I had so much more on time than I had off time because I only could do housework when my meds were working and now I could do housework all the time. And so I had a hard time sitting down. I just felt so much anxiety with sitting still. Like if this is what's bothering me, I've got it pretty made. Like usually I've got, I'm financially comfortable, but I've got birds in my wall. I'm getting, the decision to get, sorry, I'm going off on another tangent here. I'm getting siding on my house because my house really needs it. And it's masonite siding. So I'm getting new windows. And I feel like that was a harder decision to sign the contract for having someone do my siding than it was to have brain surgery. 
<laughs> but let me show you something. I got birds. My son has birds in his wall. You can hear them. I wanted to tell. I don't know if you can hear them today. I can't. I'll show you. Wait, they're in the wall? Yeah, they're in the wall. See, listen. I can't really loud. Can't hear them. Because there's a woodpecker that made a hole, then a bird that nested in it, and it's like there's a layer of sheetrock, then there's plastic, and then there's insulation, then there's the masonite siding. Well, the bird, the woodpecker went through the masonite siding and the just told, pulled all the stuffing out, insulation. So now they're right behind the sheetrock and the plastic. So if they were, so my son, so my son sleeps downstairs until. Siding gets replaced. <laughs> so yeah, that was the biggest decision to get siding. Things that I have a problem with making commitment issues or have commitment. And um, actually, there's another funny story that I wanted to tell you about my cat too. Because I was listening to your podcast about that guy that his cat saved him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, so another question I get commonly asked is, do you use medical marijuana? Does marijuana help? Well, um, yeah, it kind of does, but, um, usually I ask why do you want some, do you got some, <laughs> but, um, I used to text my neighbor four twenty nine one one because I would be so frozen that all I could text was four twenty nine one one, and she'd come over with a joint and we'd smoke it. And then, um, then I'd feel better, but, um, it helps with this. It lowers your dopamine. So when you're having dyskinesias and you're, trouble twisting and moving because your body likes to twist the turn. But, um, yeah. So anyway, so my friend who gave me, I had my final DBS surgery programmed programming on my birthday was on, I sent you a video to your producer that you can look up if you wanted to, cause I turned it, turn it off. But anyway, what am I getting at? Okay. Slow down. I guess what are my thoughts on, um, okay. I had gotten, I had gotten the sucker, this edible sucker, and um, I had consumed it, but it takes so long for edibles to kick in. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. So I looked up, uh, decided to get a cat because I could find the empty litter box without shaking the litter all over the place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so <laughs> I got a cat while I was high. <laughs> <laughs> So you so, took, yeah, I, took I, a bunch of edibles, that classic thing of, oh, I'm, I didn't do anything. And then it kicks in and it feels like you are just blindsided. And then, so you got super high and bought a cat. Yeah. I got a cat that I was driving home with the cat. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I was going super slow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, but, uh, but anyway, she's, my Blessing, I wanted to get, like, I've got, my sister lives on a farm, so she has a bunch of cats that she'll have every spring, and I'd take a cat home, then I'd get tired of it, and but I'd spay and neuter them, and so then I'd end up giving them to someone else that wanted one, because I had a commitment to shoes, because I was afraid that I went, that's the biggest thing was challenging with having Parkinson's, was committing to something and sticking with it, and knowing that you'll feel like, you've heard of the spoon theory, right? I know that I have, and I feel like we've spoken about it on the show, but I'm blanking a little bit in the moment on what it is. It's, but I don't really use that theory very much, but I've heard of it quite often. It's just like, you got to save your energy basically and use it wisely. And it's hard to do sporadic things that are spur of the moment. Like when a friend asks you if you want to meet for go for a walk, it's just like, well, well, maybe I can. They're like, they get frustrated with you that you can't commit. And so it's just like, well, I don't know how I'll feel. Like if I miss the medication, if I miss the time dose, then I'm playing catch up. If I overdose, over medicate, like if I eat a turkey sandwich with my pills, then it's not going to absorb it as well. So then I get less effective. So then I, like one time I had pizza, I didn't finish this story earlier. I had ordered pizza for my boys and um, it got to be six o'clock and my meds are due. So I took my pills because was, I was getting stiff and I couldn't really walk. Well, anyway, it wasn't working. I laid on my bed my stomach and I couldn't move and I was just getting awful and my kids were mom they need something we need something whatever and I had to go throw up my pizza 
and retake my pills just that way I can walk around and move again. And I don't want my kids to see any of that because I just, there's a lot of anxiety and stuff that you hide from your kids because yeah. you don't want the, and the, the best place to cry, the best place to ever cry is in the shower. <laughs> we have three minutes the- left. We have three minutes left. I want to ask you a question. I have an instinct. Let me know if you'd be comfortable with it. I think we need yeah. to make a t-shirt and I think we need to donate any proceeds made from that t-shirt and we'll sell it through okay, beautiful eyes to, to, and we'll donate proceeds to a, an organization that you trust and that you like. But I'm wondering, should the t-shirt be, we could do it like, drunk? well, we could do, I think we could do, I'd rather be grateful than hateful. Or we could do You Can't Fix Stupid. Or we could do The Best Place to Cry is in the Shower. Um, which would you like to be the the t-shirt, <laughs> the charity t-shirt? I think You Can't Fix Stupid is a really good one. <laughs> I love that. Because you, know you know what I like about that? And again, here's why you're funny. Because you're going, oh, it's the charity t-shirt that's going to the Parkinson's Foundation, my choosing. Let's make it the most negative one. Let's make it, and let's make it the one that is aimed at my my shitty ex-husband. Let's go with that one for charity. <laughs> I love and that. The, the t-shirt, the t-shirt has to be stretchy because the biggest thing that I struggle with wearing is coats. Because if it's not stretchy on the shoulders, because your shoulders and your arms can't move as well. Okay. So I hate t- I hate t-shirts, but if it's a really stretchy cotton, like really smooth. Stretchy cotton is easier to get on because that's one thing Parkinson's people struggle with. It's like one time I got stuck in my sports bra, <laughs> my arms, <laughs> my arms were on my head. I'm like, oh, but I found a muscle. My bicep was, I've been lifting so much, so many weights and kickboxing, whatever. My muscle has gotten firmer in my arm. I'm like, oh, I got a new muscle. <laughs> there's, a pro, there's a, I try to find the, for every negative thing I tell myself, I try to complement it with two positives because. You need one positive to outweigh the negative, then you need an extra positive to feel good. And a compliment, a compliment unsaid is a compliment wasted. Because I, everybody really? would rather feel good, right? Yeah, I love it. Things I need to remember myself. We have, we have 90 seconds left. Something that has been on my mind since the beginning, you just brought it back up. And I'm not discounting anything. When you're lifting weights and kickboxing, is this part of physical therapy or are you just like, nope, I'm a badass, so I go and do it? I'm a badass. <laughs> well, just like, there's people that, that are embarrassed to go to the gym and are like, hey, do you want me to turn off my DVS to make you feel more comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just grateful that I can move. And that's what. So I tell myself that it's not every day is a bonus day for me. So like if I if it was like five years ago, like if it was ten years ago, I wouldn't have felt this way. Or if I was born five years earlier, I wouldn't have been able to have brain surgery. So this is the days that I wouldn't have been have. So if I don't feel. I try not to feel guilty if I don't do it. If I have a lazy day, like it's raining out right now, so I'm just sitting on my couch and watching. Uh, I play this game on my iPhone. And I used to feel really guilty about it, but I'm like, okay, I'm not going to feel guilty about it because I still do feel a little bit guilty about being lazy. But And the one biggest fear that I have is I can work. I mean, I technically could work, but um, do I still have Parkinson's? I don't look like I have it now because of the brain surgery, but technically I could work as a nurse, but then I'd lose all my benefits. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, too, is I got my benefits because they go by what you've earned as a nurse. And with my ex having the kids on holidays, I would get holiday pay. So my income looked higher. Mm-hmm. Our time is, I got to tell you, our time is up. Oh, and I'm man, so bummed about that because I would talk to you forever. And I just want to say, I have a feeling there are a lot of listeners to this show who are going to say this episode is one of their favorite ones that we've ever done. I have a feeling. Hey. I'm going to share it with, I have a therapist that comes in every Friday uh-huh. that I can just talk to and I'm going to share it with him because I, t- he's new at the thing, but everybody needs to start someplace. So just hearing yourself say things, how you feel to someone makes you feel better because in your head, it doesn't make as much sense, but when you start talking about it, it starts to make more sense. 
like you realize how absurd something is when versus when you're thinking yeah. it in your head versus when you're, you know what I'm saying? I do. So anyway, I'm gonna share with I'm gonna share your podcast with everybody. I told my sister about it already. She's like, I'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best. The it's it's name. been a joy talking. Awesome. Thank you. And I'll be interested to see what your um fans say on the post and I won't take it personally. They say something crabby. No, they're going to love it. And I think there's going to be a lot of people in this world walking around in real stretchy, you can't fix stupid t-shirts sometime soon. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Has to be purple or blue. Purple or blue. I'll, you call the shots, we'll make it happen. Well, you know that, um, uh, I should tell you about my tattoos that I got because I got tattoos. There's so much that I could tell you. I wish this was longer. We'll do a follow-up someday. Maybe next year we'll get back in touch, see where things are at. Yep, and I'm gonna have to get my battery my battery replaced in this next year because it's already starting to die. Oh, wow. Go down. So you have to get your battery replaced every five years, but that's minor compared to brain surgery. Yeah. So they put in your brain. I got two horns. I got two spots on the top of my head that feels like little horns. They tell my boys <laughs> if they make mom mad, they're going to grow bigger. <laughs> I think but that yeah. is the perfect note to end on. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Caller, thank you so much. I I really, really feel so lucky that I get to do this. I feel lucky uh, about that every week. And then weeks like this are ones where that is particularly true. So thank you. And usually everybody, we have a whole outro spiel. And, you know, I mentioned things like the show's produced by Anita Flores and it's engineered by Jared O'Connell with assistance from Marcus Hom and that our theme music is by Shell Shag and all those things remain true. And you can find out about my tour dates at chrisgeth.com. It's still true. But also don't forget podswag.com slash beautiful. Go get a You Can't Fix Stupid shirt. All the proceeds go to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I said I don't want to make a dime off of this one. Get all that money over there. So go get a cool T-shirt. It's a great design. Support a good cause. Thanks for listening.